to Journey to a Savvy Senior Life, and I'm your host, Lynn Fontaine. This episode is entitled Saving the Dinosaurs. To preface, I was talking to an old friend who was still working long past his full retirement age, and I asked him about his continuing to work, and he said that he loved his job, even though he was the dinosaur in the office. At first, the term dinosaur may seem a derogatory one until you realize that the dinosaur is still roaming the workplace. He must be employed for a good reason, if not several reasons. It has been my personal experience that the dinosaur in the office is, in fact, a respected and highly valued employee. After researching the retention of and or the exodus of baby boomers, a.k.a. dinosaurs, It appeared more employers are struggling to keep them in their employ, and not just because of their experience, but because they are self-motivated, are strong leaders, and often have more than one skill set in contrast to a more specialized knowledge base that the younger generation brings today. With an average of almost 4 million baby boomers leaving the workforce each year, A Gallup poll found that only one-third of the oldest baby boomers, being aged 67 to 68 in the U.S., is still working. This is creating what some of the articles are referring to as a brain drain. So I decided to ask my retirement age friends who are currently employed what, if anything, your companies are doing to retain them. I was also interested in their interaction with Gen Xers and Millennials to see how they got on together or if they had to adjust their management styles in any way. Many articles that I have read on Millennials, my favorite information coming from Simon Sinek, an authority on the subject, states that Millennial retention is also a major challenge in today's workplace. So I assumed that our baby boomers must have adjusted their approach while managing their younger workforce. I also wondered if the baby boomers upper echelon were connecting with them on a plan for a transfer of knowledge, either through mentoring or training sessions. One article even described reverse mentoring where the younger employees would mentor around technical advances and social media skills attempting to keep all generations engaged. Since both interviewees are in director-slash-executive positions, I wanted to know how they managed to stay relevant and continue to be respected members of their teams. My first interview is with Ray, an IT director who works for a state university in New England, And my second interview is with John, a vice president who works for a large corporation in New England. Because one is union and the other a non-union, their answers do vary, but not by much. These interviews did not exactly go the way my research indicated that they might. However, I have to say that most of what Ray and John stated was definitely in line with my personal experience in the workplace. We'll go straight to the call now with my good friend, Ray. Hi, Ray. Thank you so much for your time today. But before we begin, I want to open with an observation you made about working in a union environment. 
You had said that most people, including yourself, who have staked a career in a union shop, do so more for security and benefits, and that earning potential with a lesser consideration. Having no experience with a union shop, this was a new concept for me, where income was often the determining factor. So because of your union experience, I'm really anxious to hear your take on saving the dinosaur in today's workplace. So my first obvious question is, do you view yourself as a dinosaur? Uh, well, all I can really say, Lynn, is I've been at this university for 25 years, so that makes me a senior staff member. In fact, I'm now the oldest person in our IT department. Okay, so that leads to the next question, though. There are other dinosaurs in your university as well. Oh, yes. In a university setting, it's a common occurrence to have a noticeable amount of both faculty and staff continuing their roles into their 70s. And as a director managing younger employees, did you have to adjust your management style at all? No, not, no, not at all. My approach is hands-off. I am confident in my staff's abilities and experience to get the job done. I, I guide them when issues come up and keep roadblocks from slowing down progress, but ultimately they are the ones who get the job done. It's their responsibility. This gives them a sense of accomplishment, and they feel good being part of a successful team. And another question is, what, it, what if anything, is your company doing to try to retain you the baby boomers in your shop? They're not really doing anything. There's not much they can do. Our university is a union shop. We have four unions, clerical, maintenance, administrative, and faculty. There's multiple levels of pay grades within each union, and once you reach the maximum pay in your pay grade, the only advancement paths are either promotion to a higher pay grade or seeking a job offer outside the university. I'm maxed out right now at the top level, so there's no enticement for me to stay. There's no no advancement to go anywhere within the university system. Also, would you be able to explain that the people who stay with the union shop do so for the security and the benefits and not for the pay? I did allude to that in the opening, but I would like for you to clarify. Okay, sure. We are part of a state-run university system in New England. Working for the state is where the security comes from initially. After seven years of good performance in your position, you gain what's called continuing appointment, which is similar to faculty getting tenure. In other words, it's a permanent contract. Your contract with the state is on a year-to-year -year basis. The, the second level of security comes from being in the union. As long as you show up and do an average job, it's very difficult for you to get fired once you have continuing appointment. We do have employees that are here to get a free ride, meaning they do the minimum amount of work in order to keep their job. You can get rid of them, but it takes a lot of uh, determination, it takes a lot of documentation, and it's a slow process. In our particular union, the administrative union, if you are let go, per our contract, you have one year to find a job. In other words, you get a one year's notice that you're being fired. Then after 10 years on the job, you begin getting some of the other benefits 
you begin getting longevity pay, which is a bonus paid out twice a year, right before Christmas and again in the spring just before summer vacation. We also get 12 days off per year for holidays, four weeks of vacation, three days of personal time plus sick time that builds up when you don't use it. I've got over a thousand hours of sick time available from saving it up basically for 25 years and that can come in handy if I have to have major surgery. That's equivalent to 28 weeks of sick time. And then lastly, my old CIO who just retired a year ago is from Florida and he worked in California. A very prominent CIO. He, he worked, he was on uh, Steve Jobs Executive Committee in, in, in Apple. And he is telling us that we have some of the best health insurance benefits in the nation. So it's hard to beat. Wow. The benefits are undeniable. And I got to tell you, they're making me rethink my past career choices. So with no obvious retention plan possible in, in a union setting, what is your company doing, if anything, to assist with the transfer of knowledge? Well. Since I give ownership to our staff for getting projects completed on time and on budget, they have come to understand operational duties and how to get things done. They already have the technical capabilities, or they'd be gone by now. And then our staff, in turn, have learned to give ownership to our student workers and university assistants, ensuring that these students learn what it means to be a network or a telecommunications technician. What we do is we recruit good freshmen from our contacts within our computer science department, and then our staff spends anywhere from 12 to 18 months training these students so they can handle tactical operations when and where needed. This focused effort on recruiting gives us a trained, valuable part-timer for two to three years for minimal uh, money. It's a win-win situation for both sides as the experience looks very good on their resume. Then all that's left really for me is to focus on a select few staff that have management potential and nurture that aspect in them, which I've been doing for with two staff now for the past three years. So this transfer of knowledge is basically innate in, in your training and management philosophy, so I get that. Now, can you explain your union pension plus being able to collect Social Security at your full retirement age of 66? Sure. Let me go back to the very beginning. Our faculty and staff that have been employed since before 1990, they're considered what's called Tier 1 employees. And at the time of their employment, could either choose a defined contribution plan or a defined benefit plan. The benefit plan is the pension, and so, of course, the majority of them chose the pension. The pension is fully funded by the state, uh, no out-of-pocket for the employee. Those employed from 1990 to 1998 are considered Tier 2 and had the same choice. Under the defined contribution plan, the state kicks in 8% of your weekly pay and the employee puts in 5% minimum and optionally more. The Tier 3 folks are those employed after 1998, and the pension is not an option for them, which is, seems to be the trend nationwide these days. And they have to put in more money than Tier 2 staff, and the state puts in less. 
Retirement with full benefits can happen as early as age 62 with 10 years of employment. And then the retirement income is a, a complex calculation based on your salary, but basically boils down to taking the average salary of your last three years employed and then multiplying the number of years of service times two and using that number as a percentage times your average salary to come up with your retirement income. So as an example, let's say someone has an average salary over the last three years of $100,000, and they work for the state for 30 years. The simple calculation would be 30 years times two is 60. That becomes 60% times their $100,000 average salary. And in other words, they would get a retirement income of $60,000 a year for life. That's for anyone who has chosen a pension. The defined contribution folks, which is a 403B plan, have their money invested in mutual funds in the stock market, and that can obviously rise and fall with market conditions. At the time of retirement, you can obviously move those funds into a personal IRA, a Roth, a self-directed IRA, or any investment vehicle of your choice. Then you also add in Social Security benefits that we get to that income with the amount depending on what age you choose to retire. Wow. So to reiterate with a package like this, you definitely don't need to go back to work. And it would be almost impossible for the union to incentivize you to even consider staying. So in this certain environment, it seems to me that they won't be able to retain this dinosaur. I'm assuming that's correct and that you are planning on exiting at your full retirement age. That is correct. With that defined contribution plan plus Social Security, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I can leave in in less than a year and get full benefits plus 100% Social Security income. Optionally, I can also choose to hang around another year or two, collect full Social Security benefits, and only pay tax on the income received from working. So uh, I'm in a good position, and I think, you know, I think – most higher education institutions just look at normal attrition as, as a way to deal with this. Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously, your opting for benefits and security uh, really held you in good stead for your retirement years. So kudos. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Lynn. And now we're going to go straight to our second call with my friend, John. Hi, John. Thank you so much for calling in today. And, of course, I know your time is valuable, so I want to get right to it. When we saw each other last, you told me that you were working and would continue to do so as long as you could, and that you were, in fact, the dinosaur in your office. And when I asked exactly what you meant by that, you basically said your old ways still work. In fact, you're still working because of the success your old ways have afforded you. So I guess my my next question would really be, are there any dinosaurs or baby boomers that are still working at your firm besides you? No. Most recently, um, they have retired probably when they became the age of 67 or 68. 
that's pretty much exactly what all the research stated. So do you currently or have you in the past managed uh, Gen Xers or Millennials? Yes, most of my life, most of my career. And as the VP in your firm, did you have to adjust your management style while you were working with the younger generation? No, fortunately not. The younger employees under my team adapted to my environment. So you were able to create an environment where they learned to work with you? Yes. They were trained, mentored on the job, and implemented cross-training within other divisions of our company for coverage when they were not available, whether it be on vacation or sick leave. And was there reverse mentoring where the younger employees um, perhaps shared their tech or social media skills? Not with me, but yes, with other employees that were more comfortable with the tech side and the IT side of things. So you had you had your people basically train the younger employees so you were able to do what you do? Yes. And my next question is, how have you managed to stay relevant all these years? Lucky to have my health, hard work, challenge myself every day. I know what every dinosaur knows, and that is is that there's always somebody wanting to take your job. Exactly. I don't think I ever really thought of it quite that way. And what makes you a valued dinosaur besides experience? Is it because you're not so specialized and you excel at more than one skill set? I guess it's because I'm successful and proficient at my job in a lot of different aspects. But I think the real reason is because I continue to have a profitable bottom line. And because of that, obviously, you're, you're doing your job and you're doing it well. What, if anything, is your company doing to keep you engaged? Are they trying to retain the baby boomers? Age has never seemed to be a factor in my company, only performance. So, no, they're really not trying to do anything. However, I do know that I could continue working with them as long as I want, either on a semi-retired basis or a part-time or consultant basis. So if they're not actively trying to keep you on, are they asking you to transfer your knowledge? They never really approached me. However, I do have one employee that I've groomed to step into my shoes, and I have almost mentored every employee that has ever worked under me. And is your company offering the older employees, such as yourself, golden parachutes? to entice them into retirement? Not that I know of. Okay. What advice do you have for boomers who want to stay in the workforce? Work hard. Take pride in what you do. Don't be afraid to fail and challenge yourself every day to broaden your knowledge. So it's just business as usual, basically. If you do your job well, you, you get to stay employed, so it makes perfect sense. And then one of my final questions is, since we can collect Social Security at our full retirement age with no tax penalty, you are essentially receiving income from two sources, in other words, a paycheck and Social Security. I would assume that this is one reason why you have decided to stay in the workforce to take full advantage of a double income. Or it could simply be that you just like going to work. 
It's both for now, but I, I truly enjoy the interaction and challenges of everyday business. And then when do you think you will decide that it's the right time to retire? I still very much enjoy going to work every day. However, to answer your question, when it stops being fun and challenging, then I will know it's time. Which is why we call you a true dinosaur. <laughs> this was um, an interesting interview because this really didn't go the way I anticipated. But having known you forever, I did half expect that your answers would not go the way of my research. And I mean no disrespect by this. It simply restates your dinosaur status. But thank you so much. You're very welcome. In closing, Ray in the union shop stated that many, such as himself, stayed in this environment first for security, second for the benefits, specifically his retirement package, and lastly for the salary. Knowing this going into the interview, the fact that he doesn't plan to stay past full retirement is not surprising. What is surprising is that this union shop, by design, could not do anything to help with retention, even if it were to become a priority. In John's corporate environment, there is an incentive to stay on, as he is bonused on his performance, i.e. the revenues he generates, and there is no cap to his earnings. In this scenario, it can make financial sense to remain employed. However, should he ever fall short of his forecast, he also knows that the reverse could be true. I would like to add that if my former position had not come to an end, I had every intention of staying on past full retirement age. Had business warranted, I believe that my staying on would have been welcomed. It was evident that age was not a hiring factor, as we had employees from 25 to 70 years of age. It is interesting to note that not one of these three employers offered a retention plan for the dinosaur, other than the plan currently in place for all employees. Nor did they devise a special strategy for transfer of knowledge, other than the normal on-the-job training for new hires. And there was no revised management style while working with the younger generations. Although there were no special incentives for retention, the one key point that did coincide with all of the research is that there was no attempt to push the dinosaur out of the workplace and into retirement. So in conclusion, it appears to be business as usual. Performance equals reward and that there is no special treatment at any age, which is good news for employees everywhere. Thank you so much for joining me and until next time.